You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in to the Illini Enquirer podcast, and for a second straight week, Isaac Trotter and I, Jeremy Warner, get to talk about an Illinois Big Ten victory, the first time we've been able to do that since Illini Enquirer has been a thing, Isaac Trotter. Oh my goodness gracious. It's, it's, we're, breaking, we're, we're breaking ground here. We're making history in multiple different ways, so I, I'm here for it. I'm here for continuing history. There's a lot of firsts that are happening, and that's a good thing. Uh, it's not a good thing for the program that these haven't happened in a while, but first back-to-back wins. Since 2014, that's also the last time, back-to-back Big Ten wins, I should say. Uh, first time that's happened since 2014 when they made a bowl game. Uh, last week was the first time they beat Wisconsin since 2007. This is the first time they've beat Purdue, which hasn't been a very good program for the most part the last, you know, 10 years. Uh, first time they beat Purdue since 2015. They reclaimed the cannon with a dominant 24-6 to victory today. And now you are just... Two wins away with Rutgers on the schedule next week from the first bowl bid in the Lovey Smith era. It's amazing how much has changed in two weeks, Isaac. Who would have thought, right? I mean, when Illinois is, is getting beat by Eastern Michigan, we came in after that victory or after that loss and we said, well, the season's over. We can't, we did. That's what we said. And so for Illinois to be two and four and to be in all this turmoil, they continue to bounce back. They continue to fight. They continue to push. And now they're four and four. And you got four games left on this schedule. You're two thirds of the way through the schedule, and you're four and four. And Illinois hasn't had that happen in a really really long time. With Rutgers next week, it's a it's a game you gotta have at home. You feel really confident that you can get that. And then we're talking about a program that could be five and four with three to play. That's absurd. That that is absurd. And I didn't see this turnaround coming, but kudos to the staff and kudos to the players for getting this turned around. They believed when no one else did, and they've done it. We'll talk about some of the standouts with the players. We'll talk about what's ahead. Maybe like project the spreads of what these games will be because I don't think they'll be that big, uh, especially maybe the Rutgers game will be, Uh, but uh, we'll break that down. But when we come back, let's talk a little bit about this staff, what they've been able to do the last couple weeks because as much criticism as they deserve through six games, they deserve a lot of praise for the last couple weeks. Let's talk about that next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, people coming out of the woodwork now criticizing media for criticizing the staff. I I will tell you this. I think the staff knew it deserved some criticism, being 2-4, and losing Eastern Michigan, losing some close games. But we have to give them a lot of credit now. And, And I think... As much as some people want Lovey to be a fiery guy at times, I think that even keel leadership of not getting too up, not getting too down when everything's going wrong, uh, I think it's worked out for him. And I think there's a reason this is why he does what he does and why he doesn't go Harbaugh, you know, sometimes uh, on his team. And he was telling them, you guys are a good team. You're a couple plays away. And I know with Tim Beckman, that sounded ludicrous when they're losing 52 to 24 to Louisiana Tech. But when you are only 
four points away from Nebraska. You are three points away from Eastern Michigan. You are two fumbles away from Michigan. It makes a lot of sense of why he would say that. And his team believes. He, kudos to him. That team believes. And I think the senior leadership, too, deserves a lot of credit, whether it's Jamal Milan, Stanley Green, Reggie Corbin, Dre Brown. Those guys have provided much needed leadership that Illinois just hasn't had in previous years. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this team, I mean, this is what you built for. Every single time that we talked about playing youngsters, it was because there was supposed to be some payoff. And in 2017, that's why you played Vidarian Lowe and Alex Palczewski and Doug Kramer and all of these freshmen on the offensive line was for this year. And so that's why those early season losses made it so disappointing because you're like, well, why did we rebuild all of this for this is the product that we're going to get? This is what we're going to get rewarded with? Eastern Michigan beating beating us at home? So I think that now that you're seeing it come to fruition, that investment in playing young has started to pay off. And I think it's also some of these seniors and some of these juniors too are starting to understand the magnitude of these football games and when you're 21 22 years old and you go man i only have like six football games left they start to matter a whole lot more stanley green talked about how he'd kind of just gone through the motions as an underclassman now as a senior he goes these are really really important and we have to turn this around and they really are and jamal milan timir oliver Kenyon jackson all those guys that we have talked about they've taken their games to a whole new level and the underclassmen are following them too and i think we we saw that fight, right? Like Minnesota, I was thinking, and you know, even the players were thinking at times, is this going to snowball again? Can this get away from us? And, and we've seen that with Illinois so many times in previous seasons. I think we saw right away with Michigan. No, this team's going to fight. I mean, 28 nothing. we're sitting there going, is this season over? Right? But no, they fought. They came back, had a chance to win. Wisconsin, we saw it last week. They gave themselves a chance to win. And then this week, they just came out and absolutely dominated. And, and for once, Illinois got a break. That was a miserable field. It's flooded. It's getting worse as we're sitting here recording this podcast a couple hours after it. But rain, cold, against an aerial attack that is good, that you've struggled to uh, stop all year, including Eastern Michigan. They, they just crush you with that aerial attack. And Illinois being a running football team, they got a big break. But you know what? They took advantage of it. And it wasn't just the rain that won this game. But I thought the coaches, with that in mind, had a great game plan, right? get some turnovers, and they got conservative, and it bothered some people, Isaac. But with the way their defense was playing, with the way their run game was getting enough for them uh, with the field conditions, I thought it was really smart for Rod Smith to get conservative, for Lovey Smith to get conservative in that game, the way the defense was playing, and how poorly Purdue was playing. I completely agree. I mean, we can talk about how Illinois got a break, but they've also had a couple really hardships with the Bobby Roundtree injury and all of the injuries that they've had. That This year, Trayvon Sidney's out, all of these different things. So they've gone through their fair share of bad breaks too so they deserved maybe a good one and but I do think the playing safe and play, and running the football was so valuable today because you look at the two uh, turnovers that Minnesota had the pick six by uh, Tony Adams changed the ball game and gave Illinois a 10 nothing lead and then the fumble too by Jack Plummer set up another touchdown to give Illinois some breathing room without those two plays it, it could have completely changed the game so Illinois you know conservative game plan paid off they didn't make mistakes and you don't make mistakes on a day like this Purdue did. You looked like the better coach team, and Illinois went out and beat them 24-6. And that final score of 18 points differential, it felt a whole lot bigger. Yeah, I mean, for Chicago Bears fans, this is a Lovey Smith win circa Completely. 2007, right? Like Because you get some takeaways, and you just let your def- offense don't ruin the game, right? Just, just be the game plan. But this is 14 points off two turnovers this week. Last week, 17 points off three turnovers. That is Lovey Smith ball we've seen i've been waiting for it i've been wanting it like what is your identity we've seen it the last couple weeks and we'll see if we can continue to do it but each week 
if you're going to set the over-under at, at 1.5 takeaways, I think Illinois is going to get it. And uh, they didn't get as many as maybe people thought with the, the weather today. Uh, Purdue held on to the football for the most part outside of Plummer, who was terrible today. Um, but we're starting to see that identity take shape. We're seeing the players believe in it, and we're seeing them execute it. I think identity matters, too, but I also think you're starting to see guys figure out their roles and, and gel into their spots. And the secondary obviously has come together because you move Nate, uh, Nate Hobbs is obviously a corner, but you move T- Tony Adams from safety to corner. You're seeing a lot more Stanley Green, a lot more Sidney Brown at safety. You're seeing a lot less Quan Martin at corner, too, and Kirby Joseph. Those guys aren't playing very much. And and now you're starting to see this, this secondary come together a little bit, and you're seeing this defensive line really play well. And I think that we talked about it on, on the podcast earlier this week how we thought the interior of the defense or of the offensive line for Purdue would be something that Illinois could take advantage of. And we've seen some of these different things, and we, we've said, hey, they, there's a chance for them to take advantage of Eastern Michigan's offensive line. They're not very good. And then Illinois' defensive line goes out and gets murdered by them. Well, now they took advantage of that. Jamal Milan was a wrecking ball today. He had four tackles for a loss. I thought Tymere Oliver played really well. I liked what I saw from Isaiah Gay and Owen Carney, two guys that I have been heavily critical of, and they had deserved it because they were really, really bad, and they went out today and played well. I see now. I said during the game, Owen Carney, they gave him the sack. (laughs) He got a sack. It's his first sack of the the year, and they needed that with uh, the Bobby Roundtree injury and, of course, Oluwole Batiku coming back. I mean, you're mentioning a lot of veterans, and and when we come back, let's talk about that. The experience took a huge role, but let's break down some of the standouts for Illinois football and how that kind of will show moving forward as well. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, when we start the standouts, I mean, we're sitting there hearing some of the News Gazette guys talk about the stars of the game, and how could you go wrong with Dre Brown? I mean, that's who the fans probably want is the star of the game. 131 rushing yards. You and I have been saying more touches, more touches, and this game was perfectly Dre Brown. Run forward. Uh, you're not going to maybe get the edge today. Reggie Corbin, he had a decent game with 47 yards and that 20-yard touchdown, but what a performance by Dre Brown, and I'll let you sit here and talk about him a little bit. What a story. I mean, he's exactly what you want in Illinois. He embodies everything about this team. And you talk about a, a program that's been down for so long. Dre Brown was down for so long. You talk about a program that's fought pretty hard to get back and not seen those results. Dre Brown fought really hard to come back from some of those injuries. And what did he get rewarded with? Not anything, right? He'd get hurt again or he'd get nicked again and have to sit out five or six games. He just was never fully healthy. And he just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And now it's a breakthrough. And just it, I don't think it's coincidental that Illinois football is breaking through at the same time Dre Brown's career is breaking through as well. He was a monster today, 131 rushing yards. I wish he had got a touchdown selfishly. He deserved a touchdown probably on that late goal line play. He does everything that Illinois needed. And this run game, you, we saw a little fruit of the labor against Wisconsin and Michigan, who are two really good teams. They flexed their muscles today, and they beat up Purdue defensively up front. That was really impressive to see. Reggie Corbin was good. Rayvon Bonner was good, but Dre Brown was a star. Yeah, and um, but my star of the game I had to give to Jamal Moan. You, you mentioned him. He's been great all year. Jake Hansen's been the MVP. Patiku has eight sacks. 
but I would have given Jamal Moen my number two MVP vote because he's been so disruptive. And finally today it showed in the stat sheet, right? When you're a defensive tackle, sometimes those don't show in the stat sheet. But four tackles for loss, his first sack of the season, I felt almost sympathy, pity for, for those. I didn't feel any pity. For those Purdue offensive linemen, but that's what you want. And Lovey Smith's been talking all along. Jamal Moen's a pro. And he looked like it. And another guy who's fought through injuries year after year, but he's been disruptive all day. And I think he made more impactful plays than any Illini on the field and today. he sets up so many of these defensive ends to kind of come in and clean things up. Ayoshak Banyo has had a lot of tackles for a loss this season. Part of that is because Milan has played so well in the interior as well as Tymir Oliver. So, yeah, he's been really good. And I think he set the tone himself with with the way he played early. There was a couple times where it was still 3 nothing, or Illinois was just barely ahead. And I think they had one third and short, and Milan came in, and, and Purdue had dr- driven into Illinois territory. Milan got a big sack to force a punt, and that changed the thing. You look at this, what this Illinois defense had, did today. Purdue had 14 total drives. They had one drive eclipse more than 30 yards. That's really impressive from a defense. And I get that the weather stunk, and I get that that changed everything, but this was a team that had gotten run over by Minnesota, and there's a team got run, run over by Michigan and throughout that first half. And these last 10 quarters of football have been some of the best defense we've seen from Illinois during Lovey Smith's era. Yeah. Uh, Tony Adams, I think he's just found a home at corner. I think that's always kind of been his best position, but once Bennett Williams leaves the program, uh, I think they needed him back there, right? A, a guy who could play there. And Quan Martin, you thought, could play well there. Marquez Beeson, you thought, could play well there. Uh, but obviously, Quan has had a sophomore slump. Marquez Beeson out. But that was a great read. That's cover two to a T. You know, he, he dropped back. Now, he even admitted um, if, if they had gone to the number one receiver, he wouldn't have been in the right spot, but he read it perfectly. He jumps on the route, and he takes it at a distance. I just think they've settled in in the defense. And I'll mention Stanley Green, too. Um, He's not a great athlete, and you saw in the fumble return, he doesn't have great speed, but he flies up and makes hits. He knows where to be. Is he always going to get there in time? Maybe not, but he's given them a lot of uh, stability back there over a guy like Kirby Joseph who just hasn't uh, performed and and just isn't a, a veteran quite yet. So I think that secondary is really settled in. And I think, you know, they're not going to go blitz heavy, but it's just given them, I think, Lovey Smith a little bit more flexibility to be aggressive when he has to be. He doesn't have to sit in zone coverage all day. Yeah, I think that it's a situation where I think you and I have been high on this secondary for a couple of years. We liked some of the talent in there. And so we kept talking about it in training camp. Like, well, Nate Hobbs looks good. Quan Martin's had some decent time. Marquez Wiesen was good. Tony Adams is good. Like this, we like Sidney Brown. Like we, we always saw this stuff from the secondary, but it never translated throughout the last kind of two and a half years. And now it's nice to kind of be proven right a little bit because we knew that Tony Adams is really talented. We know that Nate Hobbs is talented. We like Sidney Brown. We think Stanley Green can be effective against certain teams. Today was a perfect Stanley Green day. And to see them start to come to fruition and start to get a little bit more confidence, I think that'll send more confidence down and continue this going forward. Because you look at the secondary, Stanley Green's the only one gone. The secondary could be very, very good in a few years. I still think I'm still high on Quan Martin. Eventually, I think Marquez Beeson's a game changer. Beeson's gonna be great. So (laughs) I think you're I think you're looking at at a spot here where this secondary could be really good, and now you're starting to see it on the field, not just reading the practice notes in in August where we're we're kind of raving about him. Can we say this too? Um, I, I I don't know if we've you know Palmer was terrible, but David Bell had five catches for 18 yards. This is a guy who had 193. 
last week. I mean, this kid has been ridiculous, and they were able to hold him in. The, the weather certainly hurts, but it's a fantastic job by the secondary. We have to mention Blake Hayes. Oh, I mean, the 64-yard punt to the one-yard line on a line drive is the best punt I've ever seen. Lovey Smith said it's the best punt he's ever seen. You know, the pooch punt to the one-yard line that was really good. Now, Purdue ended up scoring on that drive. Who cares? Uh, yeah, who cares? It was, it was a great punt. He's got every trick in the bag. But also... That terrible snap by yes. Ethan Tabell, who we rarely say. So Ethan's great at his job with slippery ball, but Blake catches it right-handed. He's a lefty, right? So catches it right-handed, hauls in, and just gets the ball off. He That's didn't even catch it. He tapped it up in the air like a rebound, like he taps it up in the air to your other hand. He taps it up in the air and catches it and punts it. And credit to Purdue, they were all over the punt today. They got really close to blocking a few, and in wet conditions, Blake was able to get it off every time. He is an absolute star. I, I tweeted I, I should check for Blake Hayes' Heisman. What the, what the how much how much money should I throw on? Blake Hayes for Heisman because he's got a little chance here. We did a team MVP vote. Yeah, well, Hanson won. Right, like, okay, we can go through it. Hanson won, um, Milan, Milan two, two. and Bebe. Bebe is in the top Corbin five. And Brown. Corbin, I'd probably put in the top five. Darian. Offensive line. But Blake Hayes would legitimately be in the top ten. And this isn't oh, just yeah. like, hey, we like Blake Hayes, let's put him in the top. Like, his value to the team has been huge. He saved points today by, by catching that ball. He saved points. points for Tony Adams yeah. to get the inter- interception and pick six. Right. So, I mean, he had a legitimate huge impact on the score of yeah. this game today where how many players actually did that. So, I mean, Blake Hayes is is a great punter. I think he should be first team all Big Ten this year. I completely agree. I think he should be special teamer of the week or, or whatever that happens. He, he should absolutely get that award. And Lovey Smith brought him into the defensive meetings this week and said, hey, Blake is going to set us up for all of these different things. Blake's done a good job about that. And every single week, Blake Hayes comes through. I mean, what his worst punt of the day was what, like 37 yards? Wow, big deal. I mean, we saw how hard it was to punt today because Purdue's guy cranked out a, what, uh, an eight-yarder? So uh, it probably wasn't that easy to punt today, and Blake Hayes made it look easy. I want to mention two other guys kind of go under the radar because offense didn't put up big stats, but Caleb Reams came in. And uh, Caleb Reams, a former tight end, I, I kind of like calling him an H-back because he's not that tall uh, for a tight end. But some big blocks, big blocks. Uh, the Reggie Corbin run, he was blocking his guy into the back into the back of the end zone. Um, small role, Casey Washington started, but Casey had a bad penalty. You could tell he just wasn't blocking as well. And again, I think this is the staff just understanding the game once it got going, that this isn't going to be a big passing game. You didn't see many downfield throws. So Rod Smith goes, give me the blocker in there because we're going to be running the football all day. Yeah, and when Ricky Smalling is out with an injury, Ricky Smalling's a very good downfield blocker. We've seen Josh Amaterbebe has become a good downfield blocker, and that downfield blocking helps bring Dre Brown's big run, too. So Caleb Reams has had a big, big role in his limited return, and that's a guy where this matters to him a whole lot more than maybe some others, because he's a fifth-year senior. Wins around, wins haven't come often for him around here. First game this, of the year for him. Yes, <laughs> this was special. This was really, really special for him. I talked to him afterward, and he, he feels like this Illinois team is different. And, and it's really, really impressive to see him get back on the field and play a meaningful role. And can I say, I thought a guy who was valuable today was Brandon Peters. I, I know his stat line, 3 for 6, 26 yards. He ran for 17 yards on 12 carries. Yeah. He took care of the ball. I mean, he outplayed Jack Palmer. Like, that's what you needed to do. I asked the question beforehand, can he outplay Jack Palmer? He outplayed him by not making mistakes, and those runs that he made 
were good for this offense on those scoring drives. He had a couple runs. He plunges into the end zone. He took care of the ball. He did his job today, even if it wasn't to be the flashy guy who leads you to a victory. It was to be the guy who doesn't lose you the game. Jack Palmer lost Purdue that game with those two turnovers and not being able to get the ball downfield. Brandon Peters managed the game. Brandon Peters did a really nice job on those designed runs. Some of those were his own option. You get to decide but in those own reads. But some of those designed runs were so valuable because we saw teams crashing in on the running back so hardcore the last couple the last couple games and he's taking advantage of that he, we, he saw some big runs against Wisconsin that got Illinois some key first downs and if he can build off of that and just become not he's not ever going to be a good runner but a serviceable runner yeah, right like that 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 is really where that is really where this Illinois offense needs that's all you need just so that defensive ends don't have to crash so hard down on these running backs and you might be able to see Reggie Corbin be able to burst one a little bit he said it was funny in the post game he said the most important job for him today catching the snap because it was so wet it was so wet that's all he needed to do that's all he was focused on just catch the ball and he didn't he did, like, that was his job and I think he did it well so even though he wasn't the star today he didn't need to be so uh, I give kudos to Brandon Peters for that and you know the one throw he had to make Isaac it was a fantastic throw to Joshy Matt Torbeda, who just finally didn't hold one. He in. actually had two good throws because there was one a broken play where he found Donnie Navarro for a big play that set up James McCourt Smith's field goal. Still a good drive, but at the end of the day, he, Brandon has done his job throughout the last couple times, and I don't think it's a coincidence that. Brandon Peters coming back has helped this offense start to f- maybe find itself. I think Matt Robinson is good. I think he can be serviceable. But I still think there's an upper echelon where this offense can go with, when Brandon is right. Yeah. And when he's right, Illinois' offense can be pretty, pretty solid. Uh, there are some people that wanted Matt Robinson today. The guy who fumbled twice against Michigan in good conditions, I just don't know if you could trust him today. right? Like, And Brandon has deserved this. I, I think Brandon deserves this. Also, Rayvon Bonner, some tough running today. I thought it was a good game for him. 48 yards on 10 carries today. None longer than 10. He's not going to do any more than that. But he gave you some tough yards. What's the biggest negative today? Right? Is the biggest negative that one play where Casey Washington threw it on our end around a couple times? Yeah, what was that? Uh, that was... That's what I'm saying, though, but that's it. That's it. That's the only really negative play. I, I think people could probably point point towards Rod passing a few times. The offense didn't look at the ball seven times. Right. Well, the thing is, you didn't need it. Like I, I think whether it was Lovey saying it or Rod knowing it, this was a different game with that weather out there. It was kind of like San Francisco Giants, right? When they were up nine, they won the game nine nothing. Like it's a different game. The weather made it different, and they executed their plan. I guess the ninety-nine yard drive. You didn't keep the shutout. There were so many stats. Uh, it would have been the first road shutout since nineteen sixty-five. It would have been the first shutout in Big Ten play since two thousand. Would have been the first shout out of a Jeff Brum head coach team in his six years. That's the negative. That's a, that's a hell of a day. James McCourt missing a field goal, just pulling it left. T- yank him. Put Caleb Griffin in. <laughs> it's not like he's won you the biggest game in Illinois football history in a long time. It was a clean win. It, it was a dominant win. When the last time we've seen that was Minnesota. We haven't seen this very much. This is the fourth Big Ten game. Now, Lovey Smith has won by three or more possessions, right? And, I mean, he's only got one. 31 games. He's only got eight Big Ten wins, but now he got two in a row. This hasn't happened in a long time, so hard to pick a negative out of this. Do we feel like the tide is turning? Because I I think that after Wisconsin, it was so important for Illinois to win today just because it wouldn't be one step forward and two steps back. So to get that done, and then you go into Rutgers with a chance to really get three in a row, I don't know. It it, it feels like the tide is turning. Maybe that's a storyteller in me that goes, yeah, there's something different here, but I think it's legit. Illinois football's on a little bit of a turnaround here. I'll give you my answer next. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. 
Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. All right, that was a nice secret tease by me. Um, yeah, what's ahead is you're going to be favored by Rutgers. And let's, we'll break down some of the spreads here. But yes, the tightest. I mean, you can feel it. I mean, beating Wisconsin, you legitimized it today. Now, is Purdue very good? No, they're two and six. But that's a team that embarrassed you last year. You got a little lucky with their injuries. You got lucky with the weather. But you took advantage of it and you dominated. It's not like you just got away with one there. You dominated. And if we want to go back, Nebraska, you're up 14. Michigan, you're down three, right? You lose to Eastern Michigan by three points. So it's not like they haven't been that far away. And it makes those games hurt even more right now because you could be talking about going into the last half part of the season going like, are are they going to get to eight? (laughs) Can they get to eight wins in this Big Ten West? Kind of like Minnesota is right now. So you miss some opportunities there. But kudos to them for turning around. And in a college program with 18 to 22-year-olds, momentum matters. Absolutely momentum. I think it matters at every level. But I think especially at this level in college where confidence matters so much, um, you know, talent does matter. And we've seen that talent has gotten better. But, yeah, I do think this has been a turnaround for Illinois. Yeah, I think there's been some swagger gotten back now and, and confidence and proving the rest of the Big Ten, hey, we're legit. And so I, I think the biggest thing now is as we head into these final four games, there's not one game that Illinois goes into where I go, yeah, they're definitely not winning that game. I think you can see a path where they could win all four. I, I'm not predicting they will, but they can be competitive and win all four of these games. I go into this stretch going, Illinois will make a bowl game. More likely than not, that they will make a bowl game. That, that, that I wouldn't have felt a couple weeks ago. So I think that tells you the tide is turning. Let's break it down. Next week, Rutgers comes to town. That's the lines. Um, yeah, okay, Rutgers comes to town. They win against Liberty, but they're 0-5. They're averaging 2.8 points per game during Big Ten play, giving up 42. What do you think the line will be when it comes out Sunday? Illinois minus 24.5. Well, I think it'll be like 18-ish, 17-ish. I think it'll be something like Maybe. that. Yeah, because they beat. I mean, they beat Rutgers. Maybe it'll be closer to twenty because they're a home game. Yeah, I think twenty-four I, is a big number. I, th- I really think it might be that because <laughs> because they were way off today on Illinois because Purdue was nine and a half point favorites, yeah. and when you're way off on the team, it's easy to overestimate on the other side. So I think you could see the pendulum swing in Vegas where it's about twenty-four. And I half. guess it would take that kind of number for me to consider Rutgers. So I bet right. you're right. I bet right. you're closer to being right than I was. All right, so you got to win that game. Sure. I have no concerns. I have zero concerns about that game. Wisconsin and zero concerns about Illinois about winning that game so I think I have a little bit of concern just because it's Illinois football and if they found a way to lose that game I would probably understand it's crazy for me to think that Illinois the difference between them and the top team in the Big Ten or maybe not the top but the second team in the Big Ten is closer than yes. Illinois and Rutgers right oh. now, which tells you how bad Rutgers Remember is. Remember when we were doing our, uh, like, which game is the hardest, and earlier yeah. in the season we were all over Eastern Michigan is harder than, uh, it's going to be harder than Rutgers? Well, we were right, and I think we'll see that, and especially now the court, they're having issues at quarterback again, their defense is all out, their best playmakers done. Illinois will win that game next week. Okay, so Michigan State, Michigan State which Penn State is going to beat them today. I'm pretty sure we'll look up yeah, the score here. 
Yeah, so Penn State's really, really good. Good year to uh, avoid them, but they're going to be on the schedule for a long time in the future as Rutgers goes by the wayside after next year. Okay, so Michigan State against Illinois. What's the score? Michigan State's still down 21 nothing. That's at halftime right now. Um, I think that'll be like a similar spread to today. Yes. I, I think it's going to be about nine. nine That's what I have. We're completely on yeah. the same page. Nine and a half makes a lot of sense. you got Michigan State at home. Uh, they're still a very good squad. I mean, they're going to be four and four. Illinois, if they win next week, would be five and four. I don't know who Michigan State plays next week. But I, th- I think that'll be a situation where Michigan State's still the more talented team. They still have the better wins. It's an East Division team, and I think East Division teams right now should have the edge. Sure. So I, 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 they play... Well, they play nobody next week. They have a they bye. They get a bye, and then, but then they got Michigan the next week. After trap that. game. It's just like Wisconsin and Ohio State all over again. Yeah, uh, Michigan State minus 9.5 would yeah. probably be my guess. I think minus 9, something like that. Maybe double digits, but I, I, I doubt it. Um, Iowa. I think it'll be something similar, maybe a little bit more. We'll see what Iowa does in the next couple of weeks. But I would have Iowa probably as a 10 to 12 point. I would have them as Iowa minus 14.5. Yeah. Be just because that would make you go, oh, can Illinois win by less than two, or lose by less than two touchdowns? I think 14.5 sounds right. But still, I mean, we've seen a ton of upsets this year of 14.5 points. I mean, Illinois, of course, is the biggest example of that. So Here's my thing. not great either. Uh, yeah, their offense especially. Like, I expect them to really shut down Illinois' offense, right? Like, I, I think scoring points could be an issue in that game. Now, Illinois was good enough to score 20s against Michigan uh, and uh, Wisconsin, so maybe uh, they can get to the 20s, but I think that's going to be a tough uh, offensive matchup defensively for Iowa. But they don't score a lot. That, that's not an offense that has put up great points. Their running backs aren't that good. Their offensive line's been banged up a little bit, not as deep as in previous years. So the Same Purdue team. Battled Iowa last week and lost twenty six twenty. So I, I I don't I don't love them this week. I, That's why I have it been, closer to ten or twelve and fourteen. One we've been encouraged though by what Illinois has done defensively the last couple of weeks, and I think that if they can keep that up, build off of it a little bit more, there's no reason why they shouldn't hold Iowa's offense under twenty points. Here's my thing, Northwestern. I think you're favored. And could be approaching double digits. I think it could be six and a half right now. I think it could be double digits. I, mean, I, I think Northwestern, their defense, they can play, right? They, they hold Iowa to 20. They've been competitive. Wisconsin outside of Illinois, they played Wisconsin as, bad, as good as anybody leading up to the Ohio State smackdown. But um, I, I think Northwestern, you're going to be favored, and I think you'll be favored by more than a touchdown, to be honest with you. And that's a game you need. And, and how, how sweet would it feel? Um, you might even have a bowl game clinched by them but to beat that get the land of lincoln trophy back for the first time during the lovey smith era i mean this is what they're doing isaac they're checking off all these boxes of it's been this long since this has happened this hasn't happened during the lovey smith era checking off all these boxes to get a win at michigan state or a win at iowa or a win against northwestern that'd be another one to play devil's advocate though i do think that the end of the year schedule for northwestern could change how we feel about them in a couple weeks because they do have indiana on the schedule who's beatable so I, and not, they're decent, not great. They have a Purdue team. They have Massachusetts, who they should roll. They have a Minnesota team that's red hot. They're, they're destroying Maryland again today, but that could be an interesting game, too. So we might feel differently about them in a few weeks, but again, at the end of the day, they're in shambles offensively. Shambles. That's the thing. Like, Indiana, I like a lot. They're they're uh, playing Nebraska really tight right now, and that's a team fighting for a bowl game. Purdue, like, they could be healthy by then, right? Ron Dale could be back by that point. UMass, they'll beat. Minnesota, I think, is going to 
beat them pretty easily yeah. just because they can score, right? And, and they've, they've got a lot of momentum right now. So I can see them picking up a couple wins. I don't know if that'll change much unless offensively they change because defensively, Northwestern can compete with anybody. But offensively, they are, like you said, an absolute mess. Yeah, I think Illinois should be favored in that game. At home, you better win that game. You really got to. And I, I think that Illinois has all the tools, all the weapons to be able to win that game. The talent gap that we between Illinois and Northwestern wasn't that much last year. We saw that. It was not that much. Illinois is clearly more talented this year. They're older this year. They're executing at a much better uh, pace this year. And I think coaching-wise, you're coaching much better this year too. So, And Northwestern's taking a clear step back. Illinois should be... I still am going to stick with six-and-a-half-point favorites, but that might change. All right, before we get out of here, can we get the uh, Illinois basketball news dump? Uh, good time to do it. Smart. I mean, they're really good at this. Um, but uh, they're professionals. Uh, Tevian Jones suspended and will miss games due to a suspension. Illinois said suspended indefinitely from game competition due to violation of team academic policies. That doesn't sound really good. No, it doesn't sound very encouraging, and I don't know what you should expect, uh, if, if at all. Uh, he was suspended eight games last year due to a violation of team rules, so this shows some immaturity uh, on Tevian Jones' part, right? If he's not following the rules or getting his stuff done off the court, and for him, he has not had a great offseason. From what we've heard, there are a couple moments of offense over in Italy that Derek Piper talked about, but this is a loss for Illinois, and especially depth, but... We're doing our Illini Impact rankings, and I'd change it, uh, change it up now, but we had them at number eight, behind DeMonte Williams, behind Alan Griffin. I was expecting DeMonte Williams to play more because he's reliable. The, the one thing about Tevian Jones is for the couple outbursts he had of scoring, he was unreliable, whether it was taking smart shots or one, playing defense. And, and that was going to be – yeah, and Alan Griffin has done those things. That's why I've always kind of been a little higher on Alan Griffin. So this is a loss of depth, a loss of firepower. But I don't know what my expectations were for Tevian Jones coming into the season, but they just lowered even more. Yeah, I think it's frustrating because when you look at this wing rotation right now, there is an opening for playing time. I think there's opening for playing time at the four, too, which you could have seen Tev get a little bit of time there. So this is really frustrating because when you look at, at throughout this roster, outside of maybe Georgie, Kofi, and and Trent, and uh, and of course Io, there's no, nobody with a higher ceiling of if, if he gets everything right than Tevian Jones. So it is frustrating. And, and now now you look at it, Austin Hutcherson is going to have a year off. Jacob Grandison is going to have a year off. Alan Griffin is supposed to come back. You have DeMonte Williams that's going to probably come back. Somebody's going to have to leave. And that's just how it is in college basketball right now. And Tevian Jones, if he wants to be a part of this team and he wants to be a part of this Illinois rotation moving forward, you've got to get your T's crossed and your I's dotted because you've got to get this taken care of. right? You have to do your stuff off the floor. And uh, this opens up for somebody you'll be talking about. Uh, you got a story in the system we're going to put out this week about DeMonte Williams and Kipper Nichols. I think their roles become even more important. Two guys who are going to play anyway and probably, in my opinion, play more than Tevian Jones, but they become more important. So you'll have that story we'll have a lot of breakdowns i know at the end of podcast people tune out but i got a few things i want people uh to think about and, and listen to before we get out of here uh we have great content coming up i, I got a huge feature coming on one of the uh, most important alumni for this basketball team this year i'm writing a column on lovey and his leadership for all the criticism we've given him i'm going to praise him a lot for something that he's doing to this team so i'll have that column up uh, i'll have something on the secondary what's kind of come in and you got some content coming out of this game too yeah i got a big Dre Brown story that I'm working on. Him and Reggie had a little interesting dynamic about 
how they think they might be the best running back duo in the Big Ten, and they might not be wrong, right? There, There is some numbers that could back that up. And then I'm also going to have a column on just about some of these fifth-year seniors like Caleb Reams and Jamal Milan and Tymir Oliver and, and what they've done to stay on track and to continue to buy it and how special this back-to-back little streak is to get these two wins because, I mean, they haven't had wins like this in a long time. Opportunity to build off it next week, and they think this seems different. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, so we'll break that down. We've got a lot of on basketball content coming up, and this is a great time. If you're not a VIP member, if you're just getting everything for free, uh, we we break it down as well as anybody, and I, I put up our content with anybody. But it's a great chance to sign up now. You One month, if you buy one month, you get two months free. So just sign up for the monthly. We'll automatically give you two months for free. Like ten bucks for the next three months of great content, which includes recruiting, which we could get some news this week with recruiting. Illinois football just got more interesting. I caught up with Darren Sunka from East St. Louis, watched their game over the weekend. I think it could get pretty interesting with Illinois football now uh, coming back. Uh, but we got that coming up. And if you don't subscribe yet to the podcast, please do so. But also. Tell your friends. It's been great, Isaac, seeing the response to this podcast. It's been a lot of fun. It gives us another uh, way to get in touch with people. But if you don't, uh, tell your friends. Subscribe to us, rate us, review us. It's been a lot of fun to do these, especially after a couple of wins. It it's is. Kind it of- is. And, it's, and if you have any questions about the podcast or any suggestions, message me on Twitter. Message Jeremy. Figure that. And we will be more than willing to listen and, and see what you want to have changes. And, and we'll do that, too. And, and when you think about just this website, if you are going to pay 10 bucks and give us a shot for three months, do it, right? And if It's a perfect time with signing days coming up, season starting in basketball, season ending for football, and maybe a bowl trip. True. And if you don't like it, you can get out, right? And that, But I have a hard time thinking you're not going to like it because we have a lot of stuff for you every single week. I mean, what are we doing right now, 18 to 20 stories a week? That's pretty decent. Uh, more than that. But we appreciate all you guys for subscribing. Uh, it makes this possible, number one. But it's a lot of fun to do this, and we feel like we're giving you great content as well. So appreciate all you guys. If you're just listening on the podcast, appreciate you guys, but especially our members. Uh, do that, and it's a great time to sign up for it. So uh, nice to talk about back-to-back wins. It was just amazing to think about the first time of the Illini Inquirer era that's happened. We'll see if we can get three in a row. What, what did Lou Brown say? That's what we call a winning streak. Talk about that maybe after next games uh, against Rutgers. Thanks for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. We'll talk to you next time.